Well, yes, good evening to all UBC, um, and happy Mother's Day to the mothers in the room. I'd like to start out by personally thanking my mother for making my bedtime 8.30 p.m. until I was well into my teenage years. <laughs> I was like, Mom, the sun is still out. She's like, good night. Um, obviously, I'm just kidding. I have a wonderfully godly mother who I'm very thankful for. Uh, she always pointed me to Christ, and yeah, I couldn't ask for a better mother. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm 918. Psalm 918. As you're opening there, if I have never met you, my name's Connor Davey. Uh, I have been a member here for about four years, and I sell the world's best cereal to Walmart for a living, which is Honey Nut Cheerios. My wife, Natalie, is much, much cooler than me, um, and just to prove that, she went and won Teacher of the Year at Harbor High School this year. She's embarrassed, but I'm not. Um, so I, I'm really honored to be doing this. I recognize it's not a small job to open and proclaim God's word. Um, I don't have a ton of confidence in my own word, but I do have supreme confidence in God's word, uh, and I'm thankful to be opening it with you tonight. So hopefully you were able to open to Psalm 918. I'm going to read Psalm 918 for us now. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. So I'm going to give one main idea tonight, and we're going to spend most of the time in application. So I just got one point for you. I think the main idea of the passage is this. Despite temporary affliction... God remembers his people and gives them eternal hope. I'm going to say it one more time. Despite temporary affliction, God remembers his people and gives them eternal hope. So let me give a little bit of context as we get going. If you're unfamiliar with Psalm 9, it is largely a psalm of praise. So throughout the psalm, David is praising God And he's specifically praising God for his justice, that God executes judgment on the wicked, and that he remembers and keeps his own people despite the wicked. So in our own verse that we just read, David is praising the Lord that the Lord won't forget his people and that their hope won't perish forever. We should read it in a tone of praise. That means it's not just a verse of reminder or a point of doctrine. It's also, it's meant to lead us to praise. So it certainly is a reminder. It's a point of Christian doctrine that we won't be forgotten. But it's meant to lead us to praise God that he does remember us. One of the first things that we need to ask ourselves when we read this is, who are the needy and who are the poor that David is talking about? Is he talking about the physically needy and poor? Or is he talking about the spiritually needy and poor? Is he talking about all the poor people in the entire world? Or is he talking about a specific type of poor person? When we look at the context, and if you read the entire psalm, it becomes very clear that David is talking about the people of God who are needy because they're enduring affliction from the wicked. So they might be materially poor, but they are that way because their enemies have made them that way. So this is similar to the message that Ryan preached this morning, Jesus' words to the church in Smyrna. Jesus says he knows their tribulation and their poverty, but they are rich. 
we know that here, just like in Smyrna, Israel is spiritually rich, which makes all the difference. That's why this can even be a psalm of praise, is because they're spiritually rich. They can praise God in their neediness and in their affliction. There's this contrast throughout the psalm of the wicked who are the nations versus the needy who are God's people. So the wicked are those outside of Israel who hope to destroy them, and the needy are those inside Israel who recognize their need for deliverance and wait for it eagerly. So now that we've set the stage for the psalm and who these people are, I'd like to spend the rest of the time just largely in application. If you're a Christian, I hope to encourage you from this psalm tonight. I think it's a wonderfully encouraging psalm if you're a Christian. And I hope to lead you to praise God because of it. However, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, if you haven't turned from your sin and put your trust in Christ for forgiveness, this psalm and the rest of Scripture would call you God's enemy. And I have that warning for you before we get going. So my non-Christian friend, I would uh, highly ask you, that doesn't make sense, I would ask you to read this psalm later. You should prioritize it. Read Psalm 9. We see in this psalm two camps, those who are God's people and those who are against God's people. If you're not covered by Christ, if you haven't trusted in him for your forgiveness and turned from your sin, this psalm and the rest of scripture would call you God's enemy, which is not a good place to be. If you look quickly at what the fate of God's enemies is with me in verse 17, just above our verse, Psalm 9, 17. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. In other words, if you ignore God and try to forget about him, you will be condemned. Verse 6 puts this even more intensely if you look up at Psalm 9, verse 6 with me. The enemy came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them has perished. In other words, if you forget God, you will be forgotten. That's the truth this psalm is putting in front of you. So friend, I'd advise you, turn from your sin and living for yourself. Turn to God and trust in Christ for forgiveness. Don't live as one of God's enemies. Come to him freely and be adopted as a son or a daughter instead. Why would you continue to live as an enemy when you can come freely and be a son or a daughter instead? So now I'm going to turn my focus to the Christians in the room, which I trust is, is most of us. One of the striking things about this psalm is the language of shall in each line. The word shall signifies that these things will come to pass. God is determined that these things will happen. We can be certain of them and praise him for them. So I've been reading through Numbers in the mornings. And God says something wonderful about himself in Numbers twenty-three nineteen. If you want to look it up later, he says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So in our verse, the Lord says that those who are afflicted shall not be forgotten. And he means it. He doesn't mean to go back on that. The question is, do you believe it? Do we believe it as a church? So here's a few ways you might be tempted to not believe this. Do you lose sleep over political pressure that's coming on Christianity? I think we can all kind of feel it looming. Are you excessively worried about the next generation of Christians in this country who have to stand for a biblical definition of marriage 
and a biblical understanding of identity. Psalm 918 has a word for you. You can be afflicted and forgotten by our entire society, but God remembers you. You will not always be forgotten. The persecuted church has to know this truth very well. They have to hang on to verses like this. And as we become you know, more of a persecuted church, we need to hang on to verses like this. So the politically persecuted church exists, right? And they might not be members of our local church, but they are growing in many restricted nations. And church family, we should pray that our persecuted brothers and sisters would remember verses like this and be encouraged that they are not forgotten. You know, most of us work in secular jobs. Um, Brad, you were talking about this earlier. I wonder if you worry excessively about your job firing you uh, over your opinion on hot cultural topics. So maybe not right now, but maybe in the near future. Friends, again, we can be ostracized and forgotten and neglected and impoverished by the entire culture, but the Lord remembers his people. He has not forgotten us. Christian, this psalm is also for you if you've lost something for the faith. Friends, family, promotions, success, popularity, money, etc. I wonder if maybe you have a son or a daughter who refuses to talk to you because of your faith. Or maybe your family relations are just very strained because of your faith. I'd encourage you to continue to preach Christ, knowing that you are not forgotten by him. So I wonder if you're hearing this and you're sitting there and you think it's all great, but you're just not fully convinced of it. Or you may be doubtful that the Lord will remember you. Are you concerned that he's forgotten you in your need? Are you maybe concerned that he's never, ever coming back for his people? Are you concerned that he'll break his word? How do we know that he won't break his word? And how do we get from a place of doubt to a place of praise like David is here in Psalm 918? I think the great news is that the answer to that question is not even in the next verse. We can just look at the second half of our verse. It says this, the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. The hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Church family, the Bible has glorious news for us tonight. The hope of the poor has a name. The hope of the poor is our Savior, Jesus Christ, and he did not perish forever. He is alive. The ultimate hope of the poor is Jesus Christ. He is the one who delivers from the worst kind of poverty, spiritual poverty. Though we sin and are needy of grace, God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, die a substitutionary death on the cross, and raise from the grave three days later. The hope of the poor perished for three days, but he did not perish forever. He is alive, and he now stands as our eternal hope. So we have the privilege of looking back on this psalm and seeing that the Lord has fulfilled this promise. So he said, the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. This shall not happen. And guess what? It didn't happen. Because like we said earlier, his word is trustworthy. Do you remember the opening verse of Revelation 2, 8 to 11 this morning? What does it say? Jesus says, the words of the first and the last who died and stayed dead forever. No, he says, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. He is alive. That's how we know we can trust the first half of the verse. He's already fulfilled the second half of it. So this verse does two things. One, it proves he's trustworthy. 
because he's already fulfilled it. And two, it challenges us to continue trusting him that he will not forget us. If you struggle with trusting God's word, we must remember that he fulfills all of his promises. We must look to Christ as two things. One, the fulfillment of promises. Christ is the fulfillment of our verse tonight and the fulfillment of countless other promises. He's not just that, though. He's also the securing of future promises. God did not spare his own son. There's no doubt he'll continue to be faithful if he didn't uh, even spare his own son. So I can look back and say, God has been faithful to keep every promise so far. I have no doubt that he will continue to keep his promises. At the end of the day and at the end of time, when it's said and done, we will not be forgotten. We have not been forgotten. Our hope, Jesus Christ, is alive eternally, and we soon will be as well. Our affliction will be avenged. We may experience tribulation for a time, but the wicked will perish in the second death while we live forever with Christ and have the crown of life, as we heard this morning. Paul's words in Romans 8.18 are so good for this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. We will not be forgotten. To believe this, we need only trust that God will keep his word. And church family, that's a joyous place to rest. He has always kept his word. We have no reason to doubt and every reason to believe that he will continue to keep his word. He will not forget us and he will bring us home to glory. Because despite temporary affliction, God remembers his people and gives them eternal hope. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for having mercy on us. We are such a needy people. And yet you have mercy on us. You meet our need. You sent Christ to die. And yet he didn't stay dead. He didn't perish forever. Lord, we pray that we would hang on to that hope. That we would trust your word. And that we'd rejoice and praise you. That you won't forget us. In Jesus' name, amen.